Sometimes I think as artists, we sort of wait to be discovered or something like that. And there are ways when you live in a small town, sometimes you have to like make it happen for yourself, you know, create, create your own opportunities. So that's been a fun development. My name's Johnny Reinhardt, and I have lived in Southwest Michigan most of my life. It's such a wonderful community full of so many great things, but the best part is the people, families, history, and especially the stories that make it great. And with every story, you have to start somewhere. This is Start From The Beginning, stories from Southwest Michigan. Welcome to another episode of Start From The Beginning, and I'm very excited to be talking with Nathan Margoni, and he decided to title this one, Golden Boy hits rock bottom. So you'll learn more about Golden Boy, but also more importantly, you'll learn more about Nathan. I think he's a really, really cool person and he's an amazing artist, teacher, and more. So let's start from the beginning with Nathan Margoni. Well, hello, Nathan. How are you? Johnny, I'm so good. I am, I'm super happy to be talking with you uh, because, you know, you and I, we've, we've interacted many times uh, over the years, you being yes. uh, at the Krasl Arts Center and other things that you've done in the community with uh, Pecha Kucha, which is mm -hmm. something uh, we'll probably talk about a little bit later on. But I want to start off because this is, uh, well, where we talk about you. And we start from the beginning. So uh, there's a lot of stuff that I don't know about you. And I'm sure a lot of people would be very interested to know about you. So let's start from the beginning. Where were you born? <laughs> right here in St. Joseph, Michigan. Okay. I haven't come far in life. <laughs> but you, so you grew up here uh, and lived and, and did you go to school at St. Joe? Uh, yeah. So all through high school, I was in St. Joe. Um, my parents and my sister are still around in town, and I went to college in Cleveland and then had a stint in uh, New York, Westchester, New York, and then I came back to this area in 2011. And what I've seen is that you went to the Institute of Art in Cleveland, and then yeah. over the, in New York, what was, uh, what was in New York? Was there another school there, or was there work? I went uh, straight to grad school because I didn't, I was really worried about real life, you know, okay. what would happen out of college, especially in 2000 and that was 2007, which was like not a great time economy wise to, to be graduating, sure. but no artist is like looking forward to the real world. Um, Absolutely. So I, so I went straight to SUNY Purchase College in New York. Wow. So let's, let's start when you were realizing that you, you had a love for art. Uh, when you were growing up, what was the, the thing that you started doing? Did you start drawing? Did you start painting? What was, what was the thing that you loved to do when you were a kid? I was the classic kid who was always drawing uh, in all circumstances. You know, when kids were playing during like break time, I was drawing. In church, I was drawing. And adults would come up to my parents and say, he's so well behaved. <laughs> just because I was drawing. So you use that as sort of your other world that you or that you were in or your entertainment in what you kind of did to pass the time. So did you do like doodle in the, the church program or, you know, doodle on a, yeah. a pad that you exactly. had anything you could find? It was the church program. Usually I didn't always bring my own materials. Did but you a lot of Ninja Turtles? Okay. Um, and then some baseball players. 
and then comic book superheroes and, and things. Wow, that's right. a, that's a wide array of, of different stuff, and I, I can tell from seeing what you're doing now how some of that stuff has been influenced over the years. So, did you when you did these programs, did you leave them uh, sometimes at the church and and as like a little <laughs> a little gift uh, for someone else to find? Uh, you know, I never I never thought about that. That would have been a great. I should have put it in the little like the church. Uh, when they're gathering money from everybody, yeah. they're passing the thing around. I should have put in a drawing. Yeah, it could have been worth some big money these days. Yeah, it, it wouldn't be. <laughs> it could have been. You never know. It's a gamble. So tell me about like Ninja Turtles. Obviously, I loved Ninja Turtles when I was growing up because we're roughly the same age. Um, How so old are you, John? I am 34. Okay, I'm 37. So yeah, not, not too far off here. So I know, obviously... Ninja Turtles was huge at that time, um, the late 80s and early 90s, obviously with the movies and also the cartoons. Uh, so was that you just drew everything about the Ninja Turtles and every every aspect? You just tried to copy what the other artists have done? Um, I mean, they were, we would, it wasn't just me. So I wasn't mm -hmm. off in my own world. It was like a community of, of all boys who okay. would like, I remember laying down underneath the, the school tables and drawing Ninja Turtles. Sometimes we would dare each other to like draw the teacher or, you know, do something else that, that was bad. But usually it was just drawing superheroes and Ninja Turtles. But we would make up our own fight scenes and scenarios. Uh, there was a lot of like pizza scenes, uh, pizza fights. Mm -hmm. I remember. Yeah. So you took yeah. those. That Standard kid stuff. Yeah, you took that art and you made something else out of it and kind of created your own uh, comic book of what you think the, the Ninja Turtles should be doing. And that's really pizza. I mean, that's really all they wanted to do was have pizza all the time. Well, I think, yeah, that's so that was like the age before you get self-conscious and you're trying to like copy other artists mm -hmm. and do it the right way. That was when we just loved Ninja Turtles and every kid loved art and drawing. You know, we, we weren't we weren't trying to emulate the masters or anything. And so when you were when you were in school, were you learning a lot of the stuff that the teacher was teaching you, or did you just want to say, "I just want to be able to write, draw Ninja Turtles and comic books and things better"? You mean like in my non-art classes? Yeah, well, no, in your regular art classes when you were actually oh, okay. being taught by an art teacher, and they probably saw that okay, you know, Nathan likes to doodle and and draw, so he should be taking some art classes. So. Did you take art seriously and, and learn from what the teachers were telling you? I did. I, I could take instruction. Uh, I, you know, I wasn't like adamant about a half. I only draw Ninja Turtles. I could, I could do, I could do what the teacher asked me to do. And I enjoyed that as well. Yeah. And I remember making a lot of like portraits of my dad. I have a, still have a ceramics portrait of my dad with like an ice pack on his head. Little you, bust. Was that an actual inc incident that happened where he, hit his head and he had an ice pack and you were just recreating it. It was not. I think that was just, the ice pack part was fantasy. Like, okay. You need to make this bust a little more interesting. That's add a narrative element. So what is your, uh, form of media that you enjoy the most? Is it drawing? Is it, is it painting or sculpture? What, what's your favorite? Right now I've got the painting bug. So I've been pretty much just drawing and painting for the last few years, but I got my master's degree in sculpture, so I definitely had um, a period of time where I was really focused on sculpture too. 
So have you tried to, have you gone like through the stages and done like, okay, here's a drawing of something. Oh, here's a painting of that. And then now here's a three-dimensional sculpture of that same thing. Do you ever, do you ever do something like that? I'm not that methodical. Um, so usually no, I mean, it, kind of everything starts with drawing for me. So I'll sketch everything and then it will either go to sculpture or to painting. Um, but I know there are some artists who are like, they draw and then mm -hmm. they do a watercolor study and they kind of build it up in slow steps. Uh, and I usually just get an idea out in a drawing and then kind of jump into the real thing. Yeah. So you just jump right in and you make what you would hope to be the final product on, on whatever it is, a drawing or a painting or a sculpture. You just sort of jump right in. I jump in. It's, it's a less efficient process because then you make a lot of mistakes and you're kind of, uh, you know, you're revising the actual piece instead yeah. of making uh, smaller pieces along the way to build up to that. But that seems to be the process that works for me. So when you were a kid and you were making, doing all these drawings, doing all this fun stuff and, and even taking some art classes, when, at what point did you realize, Hey, I'm kind of actually pretty good at this. Uh, I think in, in grade school, Mm -hmm. My like friends would ask me to draw things for them. So I think that was when I realized like it wasn't just me and my mom. Sure. Other people recognized it in me. And yeah. So, so yeah, in grade school, I started to realize I had a, an interest in some sort of talent for it. Yeah. Cause your parents will just tell you what they think is going to be positive yes. reinforcement for you and say, yes, Nathan, that is a wonderful drawing. Let's put it up on the refrigerator and, and tell everybody about it. But you you can't always take that seriously and say, okay, well that, yes, I've accomplished it. I am now a good artist because my parents said so, you know, you, you always need that outside uh, per person to say, okay, this is really good. Even your art teachers sometimes may yeah. say, yes, that's good. That's good. But really they're taking it as, well, every artist is going to progress in a certain way. And if you're, if they see you're getting better, then they know that, well, they're accomplishing what they're trying to teach and then you're becoming a better artist, but there's a difference between improving and actually being a, I guess, quote unquote, good artist. There's a difference between improving. Well, <laughs> sure. So when did I, I don't know when I decided that I was a mm -hmm. good artist or, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it has to do with all of that peer acknowledgement right. and adult acknowledgement. Now, but even you, in the high school, like sure. one, I think a message everybody hears is like the message of the starving artist, and mm -hmm. that it's not really something that many people can pursue as a career. Sure, you know, so there's just kind of like that general idea in the air, and so even though I I thought I was I thought I was a good artist, I mm -hmm. I wasn't sure I was going to pursue it in college because I was also I you know I I did got good grades and was good at math and science, and I thought well that would probably be a more reasonable route to take. Um, and I might end up making some money that way. Sure. But my mom at that time in high school told me, no, you know, you're an artist. That's the thing you really love. You should, you should pursue that. Yeah. Which I feel so lucky that she gave me that little push because I was, I was a little more hesitant and you hear so many stories that are the opposite direction where the parents, you know, kind of trying to rein you in and make you do something more, uh, conventional or just, uh, reliable. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that is one thing that, that sometimes hinders an artist from 
pursuing the arts is is a lot of times those parents or sometimes teachers or somebody there's at least one person in in your life that will say oh you can't you can't make a career out of that but right. you had positive influence from from your parents saying no you you could do this and so were, are your parents were they artistic your your family members your sister or any of them were, are they artistic in any way my mom's definitely a creative person she she wasn't like a practicing artist or anything mm -hmm. that i remember but i think now seeing her as a grandparent i uh -huh. think and, and as a retired person i see that she's allowing herself to kind of follow those creative pursuits a lot more. I mean, even just like she builds these amazing trophies out of old toys that she gets at thrift stores mm -hmm. and hot glues them all together and spray paints them with silver or gold. And they're really fun. <laughs> and she, you know, gives them to people for kind of random prizes and things. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so that, and just, yeah, the way they build things for their grandkids and the way they play, um, is is a really creative thing so it's not the traditional artist but they definitely have some creative ways of thinking so when you were when you were little doing all this and you had these other influences of the things that you loved like comic books or uh, ninja turtles or things like that were you using uh, art as an escape uh, a, like a therapy or were you just doing it because you enjoyed doing it I wouldn't call it a therapy because I, you know, I enjoyed a lot of things. I, I had other escapes. That, mm -hmm. You know, television is a great escape. There's, <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, and I had a lot, a lot of. To me, it was something. It was just another activity that I enjoyed. I liked a lot of things. I liked sports, um, and I even liked a lot of school subjects. Um, but that seemed to be something that, I think, I did enjoy being alone. So it wasn't so much therapy, but it was time for like me to recharge and kind of. Yeah. Um, yeah, get back in touch with myself. Yeah, it's you time. So then doing something like that is a great escape. You know, you're like, I'm going to go and I'm going to draw something real quick. And, and then you're gone for two hours or however long. And yeah. don't disturb me. I'm making art. You know, that's that's a good way to get people to not bother you. Um, right. So you were drawing baseball players, too, and, and things like that. Did you play baseball or what, where did the love for baseball come from? Yeah, I, my my whole dad's side of the family is a baseball family, um, and I always loved baseball. We were big Tigers fans, but everybody, you know, we followed. I was kind of a, what do you call the kind of fan that just follows whoever's winning? Uh, oh, the bandwagon fan. So, yeah, I was, I was one of those, but in my heart, I wanted the Tigers to be good, but they just were never good when I was growing up. Yeah. Same thing with the Cubs for me. It was, you just, you, you watched it because it was on TV and they were always probably going to lose, but Hey, it was still, it was still baseball and it felt great. Baseball is summertime for me. So mm -hmm. a great way to enjoy that. Plus like, like you said, is that with drawing and being able to do something like that is that you can create all these situations and even sort of fantasize different, different, uh, things that happen and things like that. Um, and from what I notice with your art is that you like to bring in all kinds of different things. And it's very, uh, I don't know what you would call it because abstract or just slightly bizarre or comedic. Um, do you find art to be, do you like the, the, 
the funny side of of making art and because some of the stuff i i look at and it makes me giggle yeah uh i definitely a lot of the work you know it's 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 always figurative there's mm -hmm. um some kind of person or creature being depicted but there's usually a surreal or kind of grotesque element to it and I think it is, it's just my personality partly. Like I have a sense yeah. of humor and it's for me, the sense of humor is, is, is a coping thing. It's how I deal with like difficult subject matter uh, in life and in art. Mm -hmm. And so it's nice to be able to poke fun at things that kind of intimidate me. So that's one, one strategy. And, and it's just fun. You know, I think I had a, a teacher at the Cleveland Institute of Art who really emphasized play and that, you know, if you don't if you don't allow yourself play in your artwork, then the really interesting ideas that are kind of like from our subconscious aren't going to come up to the surface. You know, if you're trying to be too in control and too conscious and uh, straightforward about it, you're not going to get to that really interesting stuff. Now, let's talk about you mentioned uh, difficult things and we've, we've kind of been leaning on the, the positive influence and in all of those things and how you've had encouragement through life. But what, what would you say is one of the biggest challenges that you've faced in life so far? Well, I've been very fortunate. I don't have any like major traumas or tragedies mm -hmm. that have, you know, kind of that my life has hinged on or anything. Um, but I think for me, it's just it's been probably the biggest challenge is like learning to communicate, yeah. learning to show affection and ask for the things I need and, and admit failure. I think, and I think that is like partly being from a Midwest small town where, you know, we, a lot of things go unsaid and, and part of it's something to do with masculinity where I think men aren't supposed to ask for help ever. Mm. Uh, or show affection, you know, we're supposed to be kind of stoic. So it, I think that's been just in my interpersonal relationships and in my self-understanding, that's been kind of the big challenge that is still underway. But I think the more I'm able to come to terms with that, the the better I am in life, you know? Absolutely. Do you have kids? I do not. You do not, but you, you have now become a teacher. So you're teaching yes. all ages um, art as well. What's teaching been like for you that kind of taking that shift as you know going up and having great teachers that have influenced your art and then also being a working artist yourself what is teaching what what do you what do you love about teaching art well it's been one of the more surprising things because mm -hmm. uh, i you know going through art school i never had intentions of of teaching or i didn't really think through a career at all it was just sure. learning to be a good artist um, but being coming back to, to, to St. Joe and starting to teach at the Kreisel Art Center, I really learned how rewarding that is and how much I get out of it and how healing the process of art is for me, even though that's not how traditionally I thought of it. Sure. And being able to create the experience that I was fortunate to have as a kid for other people is really amazing. Did you take classes at Krasl when you were going through school and, and, or did you just do it through high school? Did you actually go to the art, uh, art center? Yeah. And take I went, I attended camps as a yeah. child, like the five to 12 year old age. And at some point I came and attended, there was a comic book workshop. I don't remember the artist's name, but that was really amazing. That was probably like in my tween or teen years. Yeah. 
So that was, was it kind of surreal that, that moment of this, the student has become the teacher sort of moment for you? A little bit, except, I mean, as a student, I totally took all of those experiences for granted and didn't, <laughs> uh, didn't appreciate what I had, you know, especially I was a teen arts, like a teacher assistant as okay. a teenager for one summer. And I was really bad. Me and my friend just like rode up and down the elevator all day. And, uh, you know, we didn't do our job well. And I was asked not to come back. <laughs> so what was it like when they actually started? At, I mean, because you've been teaching classes there. So they obviously think that they want you to keep coming back and continue teaching. So what was it like when it's like, you know, when I was younger, you, you guys told me not to come back. I Well, actually, I've forgotten about that experience until one of the kids who one of the people I'd grown up with who did that teacher assistant thing with me mm -hmm. came back when I had this job as education manager and kind of reminded me he was like remember when we used to do that and they fired you and I was like oh my gosh I completely forgot so I wasn't even in my mind anymore I guess I'd blocked it out or something but oh. it's yeah it's it's I guess I've grown up a little bit and when I see the teacher assistants that we have now that help with our mm -hmm. classes and camps they're so amazing. I'm like, I can't believe you guys have the maturity level <laughs> uh, that that I never had. So have you ever made your own comic book or or anything like that, like illustrated uh, anybody else's books of any kind? Have you done any stuff like that? I Well, as, as far as actual published illustration, mm -hmm. I worked for a, an ESL book publishing company for a okay. little while. Those were terrible illustrations, just like, uh, you know, only for money. I wouldn't show that off as any kind of example or something that I'm proud of. Like what were they for? Just they were for books teaching, teaching English to yeah. Spanish speaking students uh, and vice versa. So you just had like little situations of, of like, this is a boy, this is a girl kind of, this yes. is a random thing they, that you They would send me a very detailed description, like, you know, two boys, one girl with a teacher on the steps of a Washington monument. Uh, this is what will be in the text bubble. And I would have to draw it by hand and then scan it and put it into Adobe Illustrator. Yeah. Which is not a skill that I really had. I kind of, somehow they hired me and I sort of learned Illustrator on the job. Okay. But that, I mean, yeah, you said you don't want to show off those drawings, but it, in your career and your skill sets that experience actually helped you uh along the way right i mean if you if you could go back and look at that stuff you could you could probably uh modify them a little bit and add a little bit more comedy right no <laughs> I, I mean i think i would it was it was an important experience for me to learn what i didn't want to do you know um i if I wanted to have a little more creative control um, over whatever I was putting out there, even if it, even if it doesn't get published or if it doesn't see as large of an audience, to me, right. it's important that it has my own voice in it. Mm -hmm. But as the back to the starving artist thing, it paid the bills, right? It, I paid off my uh, student loans with that. Yes. So there you go. It was, yes. an I should not be, I should not be so ungrateful. It was a good experience. Thank you, John. I would, now I need to find, I need to go digging and find this book. Uh, I've got a copy. I, I definitely made one of the characters look exactly like me. So I'll, maybe I'll scan you and send you a picture. 
I would love to see that. That that sounds awesome. Um, and what I love is that when I was looking at some of the work that you've done, uh, I mean, just one of the things that I think is hilarious is you've got everything from uh, your different projects of the paintings and, you know, baseball, like you said, but also still life. And my favorite, I think so far, is the Beach Bod Seagull greeting cards. Ah, mm-hmm. I don't know why. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> and it and it's it's, a popular totally, item. it's totally from your your growing up and what your surroundings are because I mean in the Midwest we don't have big skyscrapers and big city life and things like that we've got baseball and we've got the beach so of course what do you have on the beach you've got a, pun, a ton of seagulls and you got people in their in their bathing suits so why not put them together. Why not put them together? And they're both so obnoxious. You know, they, I, I mean, yeah, no, I love taking things from my immediate actual experience and beach culture is so, is such a big part of Southwest Michigan. Yeah. And so and do for you- me, it was something that like, it's also, I don't know, growing up here, I think like all the cool kids hung out at the beach and going mm-hmm. to the beach can be a really self-conscious thing. Sure. Um, and beach culture is all about, you know, it's kind of superficial. So there was a whole series about that of paintings and then, but the beach bod seagulls were more of just like a fun afterthought that came together nicely. Yeah. I don't know why I gravitate that. I just think it's, I think it's hilarious. It doesn't surprise me. It's the, it's, it's the, (laughs) I always find the, the two combinations of things being hilarious where you think Mm -hmm. two things you see regularly in life and then you put them together and you do that in many different aspects of, of your work. Um, so what is your favorite thing to do right now? You said recently you've been doing a lot of painting. Is that something you're going to continue doing and, and see where that takes you and you're going to stick with that? Or are you still going to sort of bounce around between the drawing and the sculpting and stuff like that? Well, I've been, I've been painting, but I've also been making zines, which are just self-published magazines. So those involve a little bit of writing, and kind of storytelling along with some mm-hmm. images. So I'm I'm still also thinking in that way. That's something I, I attended this program, I forget what it was called, but it was at the Hyde Park Art Center in Chicago a couple of years ago. And they really pushed me to think more about storytelling in my artwork and, mm-hmm. and kind of put some words to things. And it was really, it felt like kind of a breakthrough to me and it's it helps kind of guiding the body of works now. I think I've always thought in narratives, um, but now I'm just being a little more intentional about it. So I'm kind of thinking about paintings and zines concurrently at the moment. I like that. I like that series of how things became something. Cause again, back to the other, the, the weird combinations of stuff, people just, everybody, everybody loves a good origin story as, as people that love comic books and, and cartoons and things like that. You always watch something and say, okay, how did, how did they become this? Same thing with Ninja Turtles. You know, again, those <laughs> combinations of two things that, seem normal in life and you combine them together to make one thing. But then it's the, Oh, how did they become this? So that's a good point. I wouldn't have even connected Ninja Turtles. Yeah. But those, those things normally don't go together in life. Right. And there, and you don't look at them any different. I mean, you, you look at them, it's like, Oh, well, that's a ninja. Oh, that's a turtle. That's it. And then you don't, but when you combine them together, it amplifies what that is. So that's, well, so, so Johnny, my new, like what the new paintings and zines are about mm-hmm. is a character called Golden Boy. Okay. 
which is part golden retriever, part boy. Okay. So it's another combination like that. Mm -hmm. And just thinking about golden boy as someone who's sort of like, uh, he's very good at everything, is on track for success, but doesn't know how to deal with failure. So that's sort of the, the current body of work that's being developed, but I haven't figured it all out yet. I love that. Uh, that that sounds exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing more of Golden Boy and and Golden Boy's adventures. Will this be like a comic book thing, or kind of like you said, like these zines where they sort of tell the story with a with a picture along with it? I think it'll be uh, a zine and a series of paintings. But yeah, so as far as comic books, mm-hmm. I don't love drawing like little panels and word sure. bubbles and things. So I've I've been gravitating more towards like kind of like one big image, almost like a picture book, like a storybook yeah. for kids. Yeah, with a little little story along there, and then you have this sort of journey of whatever it is with with Golden Boy or anything of those sorts. And I even noticed that you have one that's called Sleeping Alone. Yeah, I I obviously I love your work. I think it's fantastic. Um, but that is another thing of uh, of like you said that that being alone and and being off on your own little world with with stuff that you did growing up. And obviously this past year for a lot of people, there's been a lot of isolation and not being around the people that they, they want to be around. So how has the last year or so affected the way you do your art as in going to a studio and working on things? Um, or how does that affecting just your mindset and how you approach things? It's, it made me really, well, what happened was I returned to still life so that yeah. I think you were glancing at my website mm-hmm. and there's a still life tab. And that's sort of what my first instinct was, was to just like set up something. It could kind of go back to basics, you know, sure. set up something in my studio and draw it. Um, and I set up, I have these little artist figurines that are made out of plastic. So they were still narrative based, you know, they're, mm-hmm. I set them up as if they're doing they're interacting with different objects in the world that are kind of COVID related. But I really, I wanted to get, you know, a lot of times when I'm making my work, I'm looking at, I make kind of a digital collage on Photoshop and, sure. and I use that as a kind of a reference image. But I didn't, I was so sick of looking at screens because I've been working from home and mm-hmm. doing Zoom and everything. It's like, I really just want to to look at a real thing and just and just paint it. And it, and it was really meditative for me. And it was also a way to, get some of those stories that were happening in real time out in a little bit more detached way. You know, when you're not depicting real people, you're just depicting these little figurines. So. And you go back to the basics because that's, yeah, that's one of the first things in most drawing classes that you take in high school and in college is they say, all right, I've set up this uh, Apple and these books and these things go and draw it. Right. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's the, the, absolutely. Art 101 class for for anybody. Um, so I, I love that you did that, but I love the depictions of different things. And um, what do you see for yourself in the future? Where does Nathan Margoni go from here? Well, my partner Siobhan and I bought a house in November, mm-hmm. and we're currently turning a pole barn into our art studio there. So I see you know, just really kind of investing in this space and this place and letting ourselves grow and, and, and going from there. I don't know. I think as artists, I think originally 
a lot of artists, you know, we read about so many artists who go to New York and they live the Bohemian life and they find their people and they become success, right? And I sort of tried that and it, and it really didn't pan out. The mm -hmm. New York I found was very different from the New York that's in many of the books I was reading. And so I sort of came back here to, to St. Joseph out of desperation, but I've come to embrace it and kind of find that I can do my own thing here. And I don't know, it's working. You know, we're, Siobhan and I are finding our way. So I think we're just gonna, we're gonna keep building our, our space and, and see what we can do. Now, Siobhan, also an artist? She's hesitant to call herself that, but she has uh, a degree in film and she's a very creative person and uh, likes to get her hands dirty in some projects. So she's definitely going to have some space uh, in the pool barn and, and work there along with me. I see uh, stop motion as a possible thing or, you know, yeah. there's so many different things that you could do. Um, I'm, I'm excited. I, I mean, that sounds fun. And being in the Midwest and like you said, is it's sort of that coming back home and sort of the comforts of home and the things that you love. And, you know, you can always do, you know, an artist gallery show in New York or any of these big cities mm -hmm. with the work that you do and, and travel and see stuff that way. But finding your place that's home to you is I think the best thing for an artist is to be comfortable in what you're doing. You challenge yourself, but you want to obviously be able to live and feel comfortable and happy uh, wherever you are. Yeah. And, you know, it was a struggle just to have that realization that I, I am a little bit more uh, attuned to this kind of lifestyle, mm -hmm. living in this kind of area, even though there isn't an, a, you know, a real flourishing art scene where you're going to have a career as an exhibition artist. Right. Um, so, but I am, showing as much as I can in kind of regional exhibitions. And there's been a few galleries on the, on the West coast and the East coast that uh, I show at occasionally. So, you know, just got to keep, uh, keep finding our way. Absolutely. And, you know, we talked about how some of the other stuff that you've been doing in the community teaching and uh, Pecha Kucha. Have you, were you one of the people that helped start the, this Pecha Kucha movement of, of doing these and uh, presentations and learning about, people did you kind of say hey we should do something like that here or did they, somebody bring you on board later on it wasn't my idea um but i i was in the conversation at the beginning sure it started as a a little get together between krasel art center whiteman and whirlpool creatives mm -hmm. i don't think whirlpool creatives is still a group but it was mm -hmm. a group at that time and you know we just wanted to see something cool happen in our community. And we tried a few other things. And then I think it was Melissa from Whiteman who had the Pecha Kucha idea. And, and then it took off. What I love about that is that it's um, something that it tells a story of what everybody wants to, any story that somebody wants to tell, but also uh, it keeps everybody's attention too. Uh, and, and, you hear so many different things about life and all of that. And that's another reason why I started doing this podcast was that I see people in my community and I want to know a little bit more about them. And so yeah. go on that journey that way. Um, so we've been talking a lot about your art and, and what's influenced you and in, in your life here in, in Southwest Michigan. But what about um, what's something that people should know about you besides your Nathan Margoni, artist, teacher, funny guy, 
looks at life and has fun. Um, what's some other things that we should know about you? Hmm. Well, um, my love language is uh, affirmation. So if you want to get, you know, I think that's important to know if we want to be friends. Yeah. Just give me, shower me with compliments. <laughs> and um, I have, I have two web toes on my left foot. Okay. Passed down from my mom's side of the family. My middle name is Sprayberry, which is You're a pretty lying. cool middle name. No, it's true. Spray it's my mom's maiden name. Mm-hmm. Sprayberry. That's, really? So I've not known many people to have their mother's maiden name or, you know, anybody family's last name be a middle name. Usually it's a grandparents or uncle's first name. That's usually the middle name. So that, so Sprayberry, you know, it was, I think my mom is, was a bit of a feminist and, you know, she kept her, she kept her name. So she's still Joanne Sprayberry. Okay. And, and she was like, this is a cool name. I need to pass it on too. I like it. So I'm glad. Yeah. I've got Sprayberry Margoni. I like it a lot. That's, it's a bit of a long name, Nathan Sprayberry Margoni. But it's a mouthful. Yeah. It, it, it's <laughs> great. What else? I mean, the web toes, that's great. That That's, I mean, you're a better swimmer, right? Is that true? Is that people with web feet are better swimmers? Every single time I mention I have web feet, that's, that's the joke people say. So you must be a great swimmer. But, uh, Yes, I am a great swimmer because of that. But only, you know, I swim in circles because that one foot is more yep, powerful. That's what happens. Yeah. You're right. Uh, <laughs> and so I always lean to the left. That's that's what always happens. Okay. One leg's shorter than the other, I think. No, I'm not. I'm not I guess the other important that. thing is that I'm like an artist jock. And that's, I feel like, kind of a rare crossover. Okay. I really like sports. I still play baseball, I still play tennis. Um, I'm a little competitive, so there's not a lot of us out there. So I just wanted to mention that too. I like that. I mean, that is, that is true. I mean, that is, again, those, those depictions of an artist or an athlete, again, you don't see those always come together, at least in most people's mind, because you gravitate towards one thing and you don't play sports, but there's balance, especially when you're in school balancing the two things and, the talents that you have. So if you were going to title uh, an autobiography or I guess a zine in your case, uh, that would be about you, what would you call it? Well, so golden boy is kind of my alter ego. So I think I would call it golden boy hits rock bottom. And it (laughs) it would be about, yeah, him coming to terms with failure. Okay. All right. Have you failed? I, I wouldn't say you're a failure at all. Have you have you failed at any point? Failure all depends on your expectations. Sure. Right? So I think for me, it was a failure to have to move back here to mm. Southwest Michigan. And it took that was surprisingly hard for me to deal with. And it wasn't a rock bottom. So it's I mean, that's obviously I'm being I'm exaggerating for sure. for a good literary title because we need people to buy this book, you know. <laughs> I think it's more of you, uh, you really fishing for affirmation. Yeah. You're saying that, oh, I'm such a failure. Oh, I'm not good at what I do. And then it's like, no, no, you're great. 
I didn't notice I was doing that, but that makes sense. I see things. I'm very observant. Yeah, you do. Now I look forward. One other thing I wanted to mention is just because we were talking about, you know, what it, what it is to try to be an artist in a small Mm -hmm. town like this. Mm -hmm. Um, is that me and Leah Bolt and Clement Teo, um, two friends of mine, started an artist collective called Fun Squad. Yeah. And so we've put on a few of our own exhibitions in the area for over the past couple of years. I've noticed those. And that's you. I, I didn't know that. That's me. And I think that's just sometimes, like, I think as artists, we sort of wait to be discovered or something like that. And there are ways when you live in a small town, sometimes you just have to, like, make it happen for yourself, you know, create, <laughs> create your own opportunities. So that's been... Uh, a fun development, hence the yeah. name. Well, let's let's for a second talk about that. Um, and you've seen the the growth over the years of when you were growing up. Obviously, the the arts district really wasn't the arts district. I mean, you've seen that in Benton Harbor. You've seen growth in in arts and sculptures around town. But what do you want to see accomplished uh, as far as art goes within? this Southwest Michigan community? Do you want to see art installations or what? I want to see more weird stuff. I okay. think there's a lot of art that's, you know, made to hang in somebody's house, you know, to kind of yeah. to, to be decorative or a little bit nostalgic. And I'd like to see art really be the center for conversations, you know, about, it doesn't have to be difficult topics all the time, mm-hmm. but I think, just about real life, you know, not, not to be just a, a point of escapism, but sort of a way for the community to actually engage. I love that idea. Maybe we have some sort of uh, like what they have in Grand Rapids. Maybe we bring that sort of art festival of some kind where it's all yeah. around us, maybe something like that. I mean, there are all kinds of opinions about art prize. Because, the, you know, there's no quality control, right? There's not sure. like a museum curator saying this is what gets in. This mm-hmm. is good art. This is bad art. Which, so there is lots of, in my opinion, really bad art at Art Prize. Right. But it's also, I've never seen so many regular people looking at art and forming an opinion about art and talking about art, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that's where we are and that's where we have to start. So I'm, I'm all for things like that. Yeah, because art brings community communities together, and and also in my mind, art starts the conversation. So in any whatever way you want to have that conversation, where you want it to go, whether it's good or not good, I've always told I was always told by my art teachers that everybody's art is good in their own way. I wouldn't go that far. But. <laughs> That's why I'm not an artist. But I, you know, I I had stuff that was like, yeah, that's no good. And I had teachers say, eh, it's uh, it's all in the eye of the beholder kind of kind of moments. No, I'm, I don't mean to say that because I mean I think, you know, there is a certain age, usually around like twelve, yeah. where we get really self conscious, and if we can't, mm-hmm. you know, if we don't have the skill to create it the way the teacher says it's supposed to be created, we kind of give up on ourselves, and we forget that art is about joy and it's about expressing ideas, and it. You can you can have all different kinds of skills. It's not that's not always the thing that's required, um, you know, to make good art. But. What advice would you give to twelve-year-old Nathan? <laughs> oh, that's a great question. I have no idea. I think twelve-year-old Nathan just had to go through puberty and all that crap and all that confusion. There's there's nothing I could have said that would have helped him that much. I don't think. You know, even he had lots of support and love. 
Yeah, even as far as your art goes and and things like that, you wouldn't you wouldn't say anything different. And from what other people were telling you, you wouldn't give advice to twelve year old Nathan to maybe go in a maybe in a slightly different direction. I think twelve year old Nathan had more than enough encouragement for his art. That was you know the thing that got him through. So he was he was good on that end. Well, that's good. I'm I'm happy to hear that because that has grown into great success for you and and. Uh, beautiful art and I stuff that I enjoy and I'm sure you enjoy doing it as well and I've enjoyed uh, this brief moment of learning more about your stories and your life uh, Nathan Sprayberry Margoni well, thanks thank Johnny this has been really nice I appreciate it thank you for listening to start from the beginning stories from Southwest Michigan special thanks to our guests for telling their stories and if you have a story to tell I'd love to hear more please reach out to me by emailing letstalk at wsjm.com. That's letstalk at wsjm.com. You can listen to this podcast and all the episodes wherever you like to listen to podcasts. And be sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. This is a Midwest Family Production. I'm Johnny Reinhardt. Join me next time for another great story on Start from the Beginning, Stories from Southwest Michigan.